0: I would go and find a list and then get to know them from their online persona and then send out a contact, I like to call it, or a pitch email, introducing yourself, complimenting their business, tell them who you are, what you do, give some constructive feedback or areas where you're like, I would love to work with you on this, and then just put a simple call to action for booking a one-on-one call with you to get people onto sales calls.
1: Welcome to the Profitable Graphic Designer Podcast. I'm Katie Sandel, brand strategist, designer, and the CEO of a successful six-figure design agency. I teach brand, graphic, and web designers how to get more clients, increase their pricing, and build profitable design businesses in a simple and sustainable way. We have online programs, courses, and templates that you can use, as well as our coaching and mastermind high-touch experience for creatives. You can find out more about starting and growing your design business at AventiveAcademy.com. But until then, grab a cup of coffee and join me in today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the Profitable Graphic Designer podcast. Today we are talking about a very important topic, a topic you simply need to know a lot about if you want to continue running your own design business, and that is sales and becoming a booktower designer. And for this topic, I brought a guest, her name is Shay, and I will actually let her introduce herself. So Shay, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do?
0: Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me on the Profitable Designer Podcast. I'm super excited to be here and chat with your audience about how we can get them booked out as designers, something that Cassie, my business partner, and I have been talking about for over 10 years. So we run the company called Bucket List Bombshells, and Cassie and I started as service-based business owners and then transitioned into course creators who teach women in the like millennial age range, Gen Zers, to build an online service-based business that gives them the freedom to work from anywhere in the world, to design their own life, and to really bring that like freedom and fulfillment to their life. And so we focus on a couple different pillars, but the two pillars that we're always focusing on in our products and services is how can we generate more time freedom and money freedom? So I love getting talking about getting booked out because That also leads to money freedom, but it also leads to stability in your calendar, your capacity, and how much work you actually want to take on. So excited to dive in. Um, So that's a little bit about Cassie and I, co-founders of the Buckleist Bombshells, where we teach millennial women how to launch, grow, and scale service-based online businesses through courses, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, and memberships
1: that is amazing thank you so much for this introduction can you tell us a little bit about your background and experience in the field of maybe graphic design or sales how did you start your business
0: Yeah. Great question. So when Cass and I just got started about like back in about 10 years ago, so I'm like, whoa, it's been so long. In service-based industry, Cassie started out as a graphic designer and website designer and quickly was able to scale her business based off of the sales strategy. So we met each other and I was doing website design, but more from the technical side. And so I would connect with her and contract her for like the design side. And so I had a lot of experience with sales. I was just naturally good at them. I started creating a process for myself and I showed that for Cass and it to Cass, and it really helped her amplify. For graphic design business. And then we transitioned into teaching that inside of our course for, and it's very applicable to any service-based business. But I think what's really great for graphic designers is that sometimes as creatives, it's harder to switch your brain over into the more marketing, the sales side, the, you know, you just want to be doing your good work. But as business owners, we have to wear multiple hats. So we do have to say, okay, My skill set lies in graphic design, but I am going to need to create some form of a system or a process or a sales funnel to be able to generate leads and get clients into my services and to get, you know, booked out and financially able to forecast out and find that stability and growth. In your business so our background is really we started in service-based businesses trial and error for many years in terms of what works and then we started teaching it and continuing to learn and staying up to date with what's going on in the industry in terms of strategies for selling and then i've perfected that over a number of years by doing both one-to-many selling through email marketing and social media and ads and then one-on-one selling through sales calls into high ticket offers like what graphic designers and website designers are probably offering.
1: Yes, and I totally felt that when you mentioned how creatives sometimes don't know how to blend in the marketing and sales strategies Mm -hmm. because that's where I was. When I was starting my freelance graphic design business, I was so focused on the creative side of my business, but that's not actually how you get clients and how you sell and how you grow because yes, it's important that we're improving our design skills But if you're working just on that, we could be the best designer in the world. But if nobody knows about it, then who cares? Mm. Right. (laughs) I I was just, I was just that, like going into that cycle, like constantly improving my logo designs, my website Mm. designs and not getting clients. And it was so frustrating because I didn't know what is that that I need to focus on and why I'm not getting clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like that is something I see happen so much. And it's exciting. You're passionate about what you're doing. And it's important to also uh, improve your skills set in what you are going to sell. So I think that's amazing. But then of course, it gets frustrating when you're like, I just want to have clients and do this service for those clients.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what would you say now that you you've been working with a lot of design business owners? What would you Mm -hmm. say that are some common challenges that graphic designers face when it comes to attracting and retaining clients.
0: Yeah, I think, um, so I'll start with attracting clients, like, or what I like to call like lead generation. How do we get people into a funnel to basically be booking a sales call with you? And what I find is new designers, a kind of what you said, they focus a lot on improving their design skills in the beginning, which I think is great. But I think what holds people back is thinking that they need to have like, a hundred pieces in their portfolio or have taken already taken a bunch of clients before then they start looking for clients and like that's kind of the chicken before the egg and I can I can see them sort of start to spin out and and keep taking courses and keep again doing their design work instead of going out and really finding a lead gen uh, avenue that is going to work and then being super consistent with it and sticking with it for at least 90 days and not spreading yourself too thin. So the second challenge that I see or people do or the mistakes I would say that I see for creative entrepreneurs is spreading yourself too thin like you're you're on Instagram or you're on TikTok and you're scrolling and you're seeing oh well this person is doing this strategy and this person's doing that strategy and as visual creatives it's those platforms are really fun to be on because you're like oh I could create this and I can create this reel and this TikTok and that is definitely an avenue you could go but then i see they try it for Maybe like a week or two, and then they sort of are like, Well, it's not working. Uh, or they try cold pitching, it's not working, or they're in Facebook groups and it's not working, and all these different strategies that they've heard to do. And they start spreading themselves too thin because they, when you're just starting out, you need to be putting in a lot more volume, I would say, to get like more quantity. We want quality, but we have to put in the work to really be doing something in a, in a large number. So whether that's being on social media and producing content every day or cold pitching five to 10 people a day or finding collaborations or getting on podcasts or in Facebook groups contributing, but you have to be contributing at a really high volume, but people are get worried. They say, but I won't be able to sustain that in my client work. You don't have to sustain that. You just have to do that for for the first, say like 90 days, maybe six months. But really I see success stories within 90 days, getting clients under their belt. And then you don't have to do that much lead gen at that stage because you probably have now refined an area that works, or you can add on a new area and you have a better understanding of your conversion rates. And then hopefully we're building off of our current client base and increasing the lifetime value and upselling them and, and, or getting referrals and creating incentive programs on the other side. So those would be the main, just to summarize the two main areas I see is that you're holding lack of confidence. So holding back and feeling like, oh, I need more skills. I need more courses. I need more portfolio pieces or spreading themselves too thin over like multiple marketing strategies and whatever the latest trend is and not being consistent.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned there are many ways for designers to get clients, you know, like designers can write blogs, start Mm -hmm. a podcast, connect with Mm -hmm. people on LinkedIn, focus on content marketing, Instagram, networking events. Like, what strategy do you believe is the most effective and why? Like, Mm -hmm. what is maybe top three that you would suggest to freelance graphic designers to, Mm -hmm. to get clients?
0: Yeah. love this question. So I'm going to go with top three because narrowing it I know down it's to a one point. is hard. I know it's a hard <laughs> yeah. one and every marketing strategy does work. Yes, but yes it does. Yeah. yeah. I loved all the ones you said. And I think that the first thing, so I'll give like my, what I think are the first three, but I would say that when, as for those listening, if you, when you're deciding what uh, lead generation path to choose or what activity to choose, what can you commit to? So like, for example, if you don't like creating video, then when we can't be choosing a strategy where you're going to have to be creating a lot of videos, but if you're not, you know, you're not willing to put in the you go to live events, or like, or you don't want to be on podcast, whatever it is, I want you to just really think about what is, are you a better writer? Is it something visual that you want to do? Is it that you're like, willing to send out a lot of messages? And you're like, no, like, not worried about getting rejected, which no one should (laughs) be worried about that because having no's is just as good as having yeses because you want your dream clients to say yes to you. Exactly. So no's are okay, but we need to choose something that you're willing to, like I said before, do really consistently and something that's not going to really drain you. So the top three that I see working for my students, my coaching members, graphic designers, and website designers, so more that creative route, The first one is getting on podcasts. So finding, getting really clear on who your target audience is and where are, what podcasts are they listening to? And then hand in hand with that, maybe what what are magazines or online publications are they reading? And then coming up with three to five topics that you can pitch, that you can talk about and sending out a high volume of pitches to not just your big dream name podcast, like get on some small ones so that you have some under your belt so that you can showcase those on your site so that you can get some practice as well. But try to think about what are the pain points of the clients that you're trying to attract, and then come up with three to five topics that will speak to them, as well as what these maybe the speak to the audiences of the podcast that you're going to be on. So I've been seeing this one work really well just in the past year, it wasn't something Thing that I used to teach or recommend, but I've noticed that my members are doing really well with this strategy in the creative world. And so on top of that, when you're on these podcasts, make sure that you have something to offer that you can get opt-ins, that you can have a freebie, something to download that will be of value and enhance their knowledge and also get them onto your email list. So then you can have kind of the back end of that would be sending out email sequences or uh, pitch emails or different things to really close them. But I just had one of our branding and website design members in our scale with purpose mastermind get on a podcast. And she got more than a hundred opt-ins for her freebie on like the day it was released. And she got on, she booked five sales calls and closed four of them. And that was way higher than former conversion rates because these leads were so targeted. To she, she got on the right podcast in front of the right leads and now she has a hundred people she can follow up with. But she also, those are on our email list, but she got five sales calls booked, which was like incredible and had saw such a higher conversion rate because they were so targeted. So right now I'm seeing that one work really well. If you don't feel like you're at the stage where you know, coming up with topics and feeling like an authority in your industry is just not comfortable for you yet. I totally understand that that might not be the best strategy for someone just starting out. But if you do have an established web design business, maybe some clients in your belt, you do have something to talk about. You do, you can come up with five topics because you're passionate. You're excited about creative design or think about what are, again, those pain points that your clients have that you can speak to. The second strategy that has worked for me for many, many, many years and works for my clients for many years is cold pitching. And I know that people have a lot of resistance to this because they feel like it's spammy or they're not sure how to like who to pitch or how to pitch. And honestly, this strategy still has worked for me time and time again with different services and for my students and members of my mastermind. So What I want you to do is really think about the fact that you have an amazing service to offer and a cold email is simply an introduction. It's as if you were at a cafe Or, sorry, probably more so a networking event is probably better because we're going to target people that have businesses. They're used to getting pitches. Like, it's not, people aren't sitting in their inbox being like, oh, why is this person trying to tell me about their services? If you come across really genuine, and we're going to talk about how to do that. But it's very similar to as if you're at a networking event and you're saying, hey, you know, you it had your keynote. I thought that it was so great. Here's what I liked about it. Here's who I am. And here's how maybe I can help you. And you put those feelers out there. So When it comes to pitching, my recommendation is to go and do some research. We're not just going and finding and sending it out to everybody. So get onto LinkedIn, get into some Facebook groups where your ideal client is hanging out, even on social media, start doing some research using keywords, find people that you want to work with and find people that have especially with visual graphic design, this one's a lot easier than doing an operations pitch. I will say, because you can see visually, oh, they need help with their social graphics. They need help with their website graphics. They need help with marketing materials, whatever that you're seeing that you can provide some value to. It's so much easier when you have a visual service to be able to see, oh, I could help them there. And so as you're you're creating your list, you're coming up with a bunch of people that you want to work with. I want you to research them. Why do you want to work with them? What is it about their business? Like most of us women, we go into business really looking for that fulfillment of who we're working with. We're not, we're, we're not really just always taking whoever will buy our services. We're like, I want to, at least I did anyways. I wanted to believe in their services. So I would go and find a list and then get to know them from their online persona, and then send out a contact, I like to call it, or a pitch email, introducing yourself, complimenting their business, tell them who you are, what you do, give some constructive feedback or areas where you're like, I would love to work with you on this, and then just put a simple call to action for booking a one-on-one call with you to get people onto sales calls. And in the beginning, you will have to send out a high volume. But I've seen this, this just happened also for one of my mastermind members. She's a social media manager, she was sending out so many pitches. And then finally, the snowball hit and pitches that she had sent like, three months ago, people were like just getting back to her. And now she just got like fully booked out based off of her pitches that they kind of snowball over time. And if you keep putting in the work consistently on any strategy that you do, there's what I like to call like the the snowball effect. You're pushed like the snowball up the hill. And then it just like you get to the top and then it just rolls and like it just starts going and going and going without you having to do so much pushing anymore. I hope that visual (laughs) made sense. It did in my head. And so that one is the second one I'm seeing work really well. And then the third one would be utilizing LinkedIn actually. So a lot more people are using LinkedIn for connections, for networking, again, kind of going back to, Like we like to call the wildfire strategy where you're networking. So whether that's reaching out to friends, family, past colleagues, past internships, and you just you're telling them about your business and you're saying this is what I do, who I do it for. Maybe you offer a little incentive if they send a lead who books with you, they'll get like 50 bucks, 100 bucks. And then if they tell three people and then they tell three people and they tell three people, it's like the wildfire or ripple strategy that we like to teach. And I noticed, so that works really well within your own network. And then we started noticing a shift to LinkedIn and this people are on LinkedIn because they're talking about businesses. They're promoting their businesses. And we have seen this strategy work really well where you start connecting with people that, again, who you want to work with, researching them, sending them a DM that's very similar to the pitch, or even just starting an, a conversation like, not even pitching right away in, in DMs. I would say, let's start a conversation, let's say, you know, open it up with a question or a compliment or something and just start the conversation. But what's great there is a lot of times. They will also be much more active on LinkedIn when it comes to like being, again, like at a networking event. So maybe um, start putting up articles like writing blog posts and putting them onto the LinkedIn platform, doing a little bit of video content, starting to really generate some content on LinkedIn and really zhuzh up your your profile on there and then start connecting and networking and use it almost like an in-person event. And again, that one works very similarly to the cold pitching where, but it's, it, it's warmer. I've noticed because people are on there with that mindset of like, they want to network as well. And so again, at some point in that DM conversation, make sure that we're linking out to their booking calendar. You're, you're maybe giving them some feedback on how and why that you want to work with them. And, and, and what about that, what you've seen that you would like to help them improve and don't get discouraged if we're getting some no's or no responses on these in the cold pitching or the LinkedIn, because like. I've had so many people come back to me like months later and I just witnessed it with one of our members come back months later and be like, "Hey, I'm ready now." And it's because you were top of mind. They didn't have to put up a job posting to go find that person. You were genuine and you made it really easy and simple to just book with you. So, um th- a lot of these again, that's kind of that snowball effect where the longevity of those strategies can be rewarded in a longer time span than then maybe a social media post or blo- well, blogs are really great as well. But those are the three I'm going to stop myself because I'm getting too detailed. I'm going to say those <laughs> are the three that I've seen currently work really, really well
1: that is amazing i've never talked about podcasts in the past because so when i started i started also like 10 years ago or so and i was on craigslist yeah (laughs) it was before even like fiverr and upwork and all those platforms that i i never (laughs) recommend those platforms i don't know your opinion on those but it can work for someone but it's Uh like very competitive however podcasting wasn't a thing at the time. exactly. And I do yeah. see it in the past maybe year or two, not even mm-hmm. more than that, like not even five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I do see that a lot more graphic designers are getting onto being podcast podcasters themselves mm-hmm. or like becoming hosts or becoming guests and really getting clients that mm-hmm. way. But I do love that you mentioned cold pitching and LinkedIn, because those are the two strategies that we leverage in my branding and design agency, and as well as networking events, because we're in Austin and there are so many amazing networking events. But at the end of the day, it's very important to know who your target audience is. And I think that that's another thing that designers Mm. are afraid of. They're Mm. just scared of niching down and feeling like they're going to exclude the rest and they will lose clients when in fact they will be attracting the ideal clients and Mm -hmm. people who want to work with them and they will want to work with their target audience so i think that Mm -hmm. maybe that is the base of the whole sales funnel like really diving deep into knowing who your ideal client is and not just from the demographic standpoint, Uh like knowing how old they are, where they live and, you know, the basic things. But psychographics also, what is that that's Uh gonna attract them to you? What are their true Uh problems and challenges in their business? Because Uh they're not just looking for a logo design. Yeah. or a website design they want yeah. results they want to sell more yeah. products or they want to book more clients or whatever it is so that is you know something that i see people don't talk about enough graphic ah, designers business yeah. owners don't talk a lot about it they offer yeah. logo design they offer a website design mm-hmm. but that's not the end result mm-hmm. now when it comes to cold pitching and sending cold dms it's very similar
0: yeah what is
1: that that they should say in those emails or DMs Mm -hmm. to potential Mm -hmm. clients. Should they go straight into sales? Like, Mm. hey, this is what I offer. These Mm. are the results you can get from me. You want to book a call? Or they should be like, oh, I love your website and that green color or this and that and kind of like become friends first.
0: Yeah, such a great question. Also, I wanted to mention that you are, I completely agree with the target audience. And I didn't touch on that enough either. So I would say I'll bring that kind of into this response as well, is that knowing them, like exactly what you said, the psychographics is so important. And then you also mentioned the results. I would say that is something that we definitely want to convey in these messages. So when we're going into, I I approach cold emailing and DMing a little bit different because Again, we're not copying and pasting. You know, we want to be able to move quickly and and pitch quite a few people so we can have like a template. And that's kind of what I'll go through, like the structure of what we can be saying. But remember that like you need to be customizing it for every email or every dm because that's i get the ones that are just copy and paste and i'm like no like you can tell Same. right away yeah you, you can tell especially right away. after chat to gpt and i'm like exactly <laughs> yeah i can yes i'm like oh that's ai so yeah. you know ai is helpful to of course maybe get like over writer's blog get started and stuff but i do uh, want to make sure when we're pitching we're coming across as genuine especially with the uh, I feel like the fear of also doing the pitching. So we don't want to feel spammy. So we want to make sure that that energy is really clean when we're sending the message. And so my suggestion would be going back to your target audience. And as you are using your target audience stock, do your research to qualify someone. So again, we're not just sending like, even if someone had bad graphics, I don't want you to just be like, well, they could use my services because they need you know more, better graphic design. It's going back to well, let's do some research and let's make sure that I think this person is a good fit and qualify them to work with me. I think a lot of times uh, service-based business owners sort of give their their power away in a sense of like, they feel like, oh, I can just, I just need to take anybody and they're not qualifying for them. And I see people run into like, oh, this was, I saw the red flags and I shouldn't have taken this client. And now I did say yes, which I think everyone has to kind of go through an experience. But I would say that we want to be looking at The results for sure. We want to be having this in the email. So when we're introducing, so for the email, the first couple sentences, and again, we want to, we don't want to be too long and we want to make sure that we're, but we want to make sure that we're doing a personalized intro. So don't want you saying, Hey, I'm, I'm emailing you because for my services, here's what I do and who I am. That first kind of sentence is where uh, compliments something about their business. And it could be completely unrelated to your services. It could be that you love that they have a giving back program, or you saw that they, you know, spot- they did some scholarship programs, or you just love their services. Like I worked with a lot of online coaches and I loved that I had a coach. Like I love that industry. I was passionate about the industry. So it was always easy for me to sort of open the gate with that, with a personal experience want to keep it short, though. Keep it to like one sentence, but definitely compliment them first. And then I would say, yes, get into like why you're reaching out, because think about how many emails we're receiving on a daily basis. We do kind of need to hit them with the highlights. And so that's where I want you to introduce yourself, say who you are, what you do, link out to your business website in there. And then say, I'm, I'm emailing you because I would love to find out if we could work together or you could use like the term collaborate or if you're in need of graphic design services, like it's kind of just a soft intro there. Then the next sentence or two, I would say uh, constructive only client criticism. We want to say like, this is where I want you to, when you have researched them, especially from the visual aspect, like what is it about them that you could improve And in a nice, kind, friendly way. And without offending them. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what would you want to hear? You know, like, if you want to work with clients that will like your form of communication, I don't want you to change how your voice sounds or your brand voice sounds in the email. But I want you to think about like, well, how would I like to receive this, this message, this, this feedback, so to speak, given the feedback, and then within that, I, that's where we want to call in the results. Like if you ha- if you're can link out to like your portfolio of an example, like say, let's just say online coach, you wanted to work with them and you had examples of, of case studies on your website, which I think is really good to do in blog posts, which is another great strategy too for like SEO and, and sharing on Pinterest. But if you have some case study blog posts, you could link out and say, you know I worked with someone who has a similar business. This is what we were able to do for them. And then she saw you know, an increase in conversions, or she saw an increase in engagement, or if you can find some tangible, I I know that the visuals sometimes are hard. And maybe you can speak more to this in terms of like, what metrics that we could think about to to put towards qualifying, and it can be qualitative as well. But we definitely want to say something about their results, or even just the like a rebrand or a refresh and it really you know revived her business or something so we we want real results but we want to kind of put them in there and then you could say and then the last line is just the booking the link to say i'd love to jump on a call find out if we're the right fit you can grab 15 or 30 minutes don't don't pitch it as an hour you may be on the call for an hour but thinking about like people's schedules even your schedule when you see 15 minute 30 minute you're more likely to jump on that call And then you can say to create a little bit of urgency. You could in that last line also say, you know, I have, I'm booking for next month and I have two spots available. You know, I'd love to work with you. Would you like to get on a call? Like you create urgency is always really helpful as well. And then making sure that after you send that, we're like, we're, Creating a follow up plan, like decide how many days and you haven't heard from them to follow up or keep them in some sort of sheet so that you know, like again, like I said, the snowball, like maybe, maybe you're running a sale or maybe again, you have like one spot and it's like two or three months from now. You feel free to follow up with this person, especially if they haven't emailed back and said, you know, no, I'm not interested. You know, then we can say, we can kind of move them off and say, okay, great. But if, they haven't responded. They could have been busy. It could have not been the right timing. And it's, think it's totally okay to follow up with them again. And then the DMing is similar, but I would actually start just an initial message. I would send them an initial message saying, Hey, the compliment kind of line that we talked about from the email. And then I would ask them an open-ended question, like how, how are you today? Or how is your week going? Or if there's something more, (laughs) that one's probably a little boring, like maybe a little bit more topical, or I saw your, let's say that maybe they're hosting an event. I saw you're hosting an event. Like, how's that going? Um, I, you know, I've been, I'm following you. I just would love to connect and then see it. And then if they respond, so that's where it's kind of like, I know it feels like, Oh, I just wish I could pitch them. But what we really want to do in DMS is create, a conversation, and genuinely bring them into your network, just like you would at an event, you wouldn't walk up to someone and say, Hey, this is me, like, let me, you know, here's what I do. And and do you want to work with me? It's much more like, Hey, how are you? Or Hey, I saw you, you know, present on this, or hey, this or that start a conversation. And the ones who reply to you, then you can kind of have maybe a plan for, okay, let me keep you know, don't just again, pitch them right away, have a conversation and then say, Hey, like, um, are you, you know, I'm off. I have a couple spots left in my calendar. I think that we would be really great fit. Would you like to jump on? And you can kind of intuitively decide how many messages to wait, what feels good to you. Try not to templatize that so much in terms of like, okay, they respond. Now I send this message and I send that, let the conversation flow as if you were chatting with them in real life. So that those would be my suggestions for, for email and DM.
1: Yeah, and I also wanna to add to LinkedIn DMs, a strategy yeah. that I used, which is very similar. It's almost the same, but basically what I used to do, and that was, and I love that you mentioned snowball effect because it's <laughs> totally true. So maybe even like six, seven years ago was when I realized that LinkedIn, the power of LinkedIn and how important it is, yeah. and it's totally different than Instagram and Pinterest, and we can talk about it more, but what i was doing is i decided to focus on the product-based businesses so Mm rebranding skincare lines rebranding meal replacement shakes vitamins like supplements things like that so i would find people on linkedin and then i would find their websites and then i would find a specific product and just say how much i love their product not in a fake way but only if i truly feel like that is something Mm -hmm. that i would maybe like to rebrand Mm-hmm. So I would really find a specific product. I even have some, I I, I see oh, them on so my cool. table. I don't want to like pull them, but yeah. Yeah. I do have like some clients that I found through LinkedIn. I mm-hmm. found their products, like a skincare mm-hmm. face oil, and yeah. I would send them like, oh, I love this product. And these ingredients are amazing. How yeah. do you like, where is your manufacturer? You know, something that's not even that. like, Designs related. Exactly. And I see you're based in Dallas. Oh, I'm in Austin. And then we start the conversation. And then they ask me, Oh, and what do you do? Or even if they don't ask me, I don't even have to pitch for weeks. And then, Oh, by the way, I'm a graphic designer. I do, you know, brand and websites for skincare product based businesses. If you ever need, or if you know someone, here's, you know, kind of like start from
0: there. Yes. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that it can take weeks sometimes to get to the pitch, because again, the ones that we're doing on LinkedIn is so much more about genuinely connecting. And what's also cool is you can use that as market research. So going back to your target audience, as you're having conversations with them, like notice things that they say, words that they use, pain points they might have that you guys are talking about before you even got into the pitch, you're kind of doing market research at the same time, which I think is really cool.
1: Yes. And so I noticed that you mentioned all of the outbound marketing strategies. So basically, yeah. reaching out to people, yeah. connecting with people. But what about posting on Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. Pinterest? Yeah. You know, like all those things that are more like yeah. inbound, where yeah. designers are so focused on posting yeah. and then clients come to them. Maybe yeah. blogging is in that as well. Like, what do you think mm-hmm. about those inbound marketing strategies?
0: Yeah, that's such a great question. I think that inbound what I've noticed now the landscape has changed because so people are producing such high volumes of content. And I've also noticed burnout, something I've even experienced too, where people are like, I deleted social media for a long time and aren't spending as, I feel like people are spending a lot of time on there, but then they're also getting a little bit burnt out by how much content that they are taking in. And so when it comes to inbound strategies, I usually look at those second, when it comes to service-based, I think would, my, my, Advice would be different if it, if you were doing like digital products or maybe even coaching or consulting. But I view inbound marketing strategies as the second step. Once I've really nailed an outbound strategy, especially because once you start getting clients, a lot of what I see successfully happen is referral based. That a lot of my members and students. Don't rely at all on inbound marketing and in the service-based world. But if you you are a visual, like with graphic design, I would say that there is a really great area of opportunity to utilize video content. If you're going to do inbound marketing, video content, you have the visual side, use the Trending reels, the trending TikToks. And I'll talk about blogging and Pinterest in a second, because to me, that's a little bit more SEO focused. So, these, I would say the social media platforms, going back to what I always go back to, pick one, do it really consistently. Do you enjoy doing it? Are you getting, I see a lot of impressions, I see a lot of engagement, but I'm not seeing a high volume of leads coming through for service based. That doesn't mean that's not possible. Does it just might mean that that's just, what I'm seeing in my small group of community members. But what I love seeing is I do see graphic designers and website designers doing these really beautiful visual videos. And so when it comes to, I'm just going to focus on Instagram and TikTok right now, because I think that that's probably the one that those two platforms are kind of the ones I feel like people are like, should I be on there? Should I not? And so for those ones, I would say that pick one and then be very consistent and utilize video content and try to get as niche as possible. So even me as an Instagram user, outside of business, as a personal user, a lot of the accounts I follow now and what I've seen the shift towards is really niche specific, they call like theme accounts. And so I would say, get really like, very specific into what type of content topic you're putting out there so are you going to be the person who is are you trying to teach your clients something about graphic design or are you trying to show them like before and afters um, visually are you showing them the p- why are you t- trying to do like why do they need them so tr- so before it was kind of like you would cover all of these bases and now I would say that Focus on something that's really like niche and then you can basically keep producing video content for because that's really what's uh, queen and king on those platforms and then have a call to action to get them on your email list. I think you will find that you will not get as many sales calls booked just based up. I would still put it out there, put it in your link and bio and all of that um, from, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this because I definitely feel like there's people who are super like disagree with what I'm saying. So I'm like so curious, but the, I would say that go with a call to action. That is like a freebie, a download a little mini video, um, something that they, maybe it's a template Actually, that could be really cool for, for visual graphic designers, something that they download, you get their email. So then you can nurture them in like an email sequence and email funnel. Cause I have found that getting people straight from social media platforms onto a sales calls seems to be a harder sell than getting them into a freebie and then nurture them on your email list um, and the reason I tend to go more for outbound for newbies is because then once you have the inbound leads you got to then have a good solid email marketing funnel set up and and all of that and I've just seen higher results from outbound um, I'm going to stop there but I do have some thoughts and opinions on blogging.
1: <laughs> yes, so I want to say that most of our clients are coming through blogging, networking events, and LinkedIn. Oh, I cool. have never gotten a client through Instagram. Mm-hmm. We don't even use it in the past like four years or so. We do post, my assistant posts once yeah. a week. I have no idea yeah. what's in that account. <laughs> it's just for clients to, if they are going to check, that they see that we exist? that we are active, you know, I don't want them to come to that Instagram profile and see that last post was four years ago. Yeah, so, you know, it's just that. But blogging has been amazing for us, and that is because we have a very strong niche. So we are not just talking about branding and website design for everyone and anyone, but we're Mm -hmm. really focused on the health and wellness product-based businesses. And then whatever we talk about, and I always say this, there was a blog post that, now we have a blogger who writes for us, but Mm -hmm. so he wrote a blog post and it's something like, guide on how to start a skincare business. So it's Mm -hmm. not even too much We do talk about graphic design and labels and packaging, website design, and how to make more sales and whatnot. But it's really focused on how to start a skincare business. Mm -hmm. And from that blog, we got so many skincare clients that we were like, should we just be, you know, like a skincare branding Mm -hmm. agency? (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like very important, again, to know who the ideal client Mm is because if if you were to write a blog post on how to rebrand your business it's too broad yeah. and i feel like people are not going to read that yeah. but if i was to talk about rebranding your skincare line every single skincare line that's looking to rebrand is going to type that into google and yes. our blog post is going to pop up because those are the yeah. keywords we used and yeah. then you know we can walk them through the steps in the blog post, get yeah. them to email list, and then from there, nurture them. I've even had like 87 emails that are scheduled in every like four days. So it's all evergreen. It's not yeah. something you have to like constantly write exactly. and whatnot. And it's just like forever. It's like for years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then eight months later, they're like, oh, I've been on your email list for eight months. Now I'm ready to move on and rebrand yeah. my skincare line or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, And I'm like, well, that is, when you set up the right, you know, sales system in place. And mm-hmm. now, like next to that is what I wanted to mention about Instagram and yeah. Pinterest and whatnot, is that a lot of designers keep posting and posting and Mm -hmm. posting and they don't see results and i see that so often because those platforms are really saturated every single designer is on instagram because it's so visual and we as creatives (laughs) like it but it doesn't mean that all our target audience is there (laughs) yes so i really do like that you mentioned outbound when it comes to like getting clients and then kind of like mm-hmm. growing from there. But I would also like to touch base on sales calls.
0: Yeah. Because
1: once we get people to to book that sales call with mm-hmm. us, either they came through inbound and outbound, and I know you mentioned you wanna talk about blogging, we can go back oh, yeah. to that. but. Yeah. What should designers focus on while on a sales call? What should they talk about the most? And maybe like what questions should they ask their potential clients? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. And um, I'll just say that I agree with everything you said in blogging. And for those listening, definitely a blogging strategy can work and it has so much longevity. I've seen that work for so many people in my industry. So I don't have anything else to say on that. So I'll go into sales calls. Yes. Okay. So When it comes to sales calls, it's, there's sort of like a couple steps I like to take. So the first one is, and you've probably heard me say this a lot, research, research, research. Like you really, I want you to get on that call and I want you to feel like you're in the leadership seat. So for example, we're not getting on the call and saying, Hey, tell me about what your needs are or what are you looking for? Or we want to, these are good. These are questions we can answer. We need to answer, but we can do it in a different way. And, or I've seen people get on and say, okay, well tell me why you booked this call or tell me why you want to work with me. I'm like, Ooh, like let's, let's put ourselves in the driver's seat and make sure that we're leading the call. Cause it's very easy on a call to start getting very chatty and start talking about anything and everything. And you want to make sure that you're always, and that's fine, but we want to make sure that if your client is starting to go off on, you know, something that they're passionate about, or or if it's like, oh, they had a negative experience with someone in the past, like that's fine. They can tell you that and it's good information for you to know. But I don't want you to get caught up in in continuing that conversation. We kind of want to bring it back and always be focusing on nailing down how we can pitch towards the end of the call, how we can pitch your package and services. But we need to qualify to know, okay, which of my service offerings would be great maybe what add-ons would be great so you're probably wondering well okay yeah great Shay like how do you get there so <laughs> the first stage is I want you to know them really well so once they book with you you want to be on there what you probably already did this maybe if you were if they came from outbound uh lead gen so that's great so knowing their website knowing their socials knowing their services and knowing areas especially again for visuals this is so much more helpful than when I was trying to figure out their operations I would like opt in for everything and be like, is this working? But as visuals, come to the table with something where you're, you kind of have in your mind how you could improve. And then preparing for the call, I want you to think about some, again, case studies are so helpful once you have clients under your belt. And so when you're looking at this client, you're doing this research, think about have on hand, some bullet points written down about maybe two of your case studies so that you can bring up... It's easier if you have some notes for yourself, so you're not trying to recall everything. And knowing ahead of time, okay, well, they're an online coach, so I worked with online coaches to rebrand. Okay, I'm going to talk about some of their results. So take some, prep some notes for yourself. It's totally okay if you are... We're not reading off the script, but you can absolutely look at notes, like have, don't be afraid to have those materials on hand or even examples to share your screen, especially as visuals. That could be great. We don't need to be doing, I had someone ask me the other day, like keynote presentations or Canva presentations. We're not doing that. We're just, we're getting on, we're having a one-on-one call with them, making sure we're really personal. So once we get on, we would do, we want to have a little chit chat, you know, ask them, you know, something about if, again, if you have lived from the same city or something you found like a connection, put them at ease but make sure that you are always the one you're sitting up straight you're really like presenting yourself as the one going to lead the call so then you can get into i like to prep some questions ahead of time if there was things i was not clear on so again instead of starting off with a what are your needs question? We wanna find their needs in a different way that then we can really utilize the words that they're saying to incorporate into the language we use when we present our services. So let's say that, we were curious, we saw maybe they released a new logo a couple months ago and you wanted to, okay, well, I saw that you recently had a new logo change. Did you happen to do a new brand board or what was that process or what was the decision behind that? These are good questions. We want a little bit unique questions in that way. If, if there's like, well, oh, I wonder why they did that. Or maybe you're like, I have, I haven't seen you rebrand in a while that was just the example coming to mind but or i noticed that you don't have xyz marketing materials or i noticed your like your website you're using like a lot of different fonts you're using a lot of different maybe the something else you're noticing is kind of off in the graphic design world. And you're just ask them, you're curious. This will A, show that you did a lot of research and B, start to understand more than just letting them go off on a tangent of like all the things that they want or think they want. You want to kind of find out then more than nitty gritty. So in your research, have some initial questions that are really diving into more of the details of things that would be really good for you to know. And then from there, you can kind of go into, okay, so this is where you can ask a more general question of like, all right, so what are your current needs? What are you currently looking for in graphic designer? And kind of start to pull that out. Again, we want to make sure that we are also maybe taking some notes on the call, because what we want to do is the language that they're using on these sales calls, we then want to try and utilize the same language when we present our services. And throughout the conversation, as they're speaking, you can mark down like, oh, this could be a good add on for them. I'll talk about this and start to kind of note down maybe what package you want to pitch them and that kind of thing. Now, then I would go into, so again, we are the ones asking the questions. Still, they, we haven't asked them yet to ask questions. So we're continuing, ask more questions you need to know to understand their needs, get to know them. If you hear them say something, you're like, oh, I want to know more about that ask them, get to really understand what their needs are. And then a secondary part that I like to teach as well as to find out their communication style and their work style. So initially, yes, we want to find out what their graphic design needs are. But this call is just as much for you to qualify them as the right fit as it is for them to get to know you and qualify you as the right fit. So I do encourage you to talk a little bit about, you know, what is your experience been le- at? Or sorry, not chocolate. Ask them what their experience has been like with f- working with the graphic designers in the past. Their response will probably tell you a lot. You know, did like ha- and 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 maybe ask about their like you know what's your typical project management style, communication style. We want to make sure that they're feeling like a good fit. And no red flags are coming up for you. So then, continuing on, kind of past some of those stages. Then this is where I would start to present. Okay, well based on what you shared with me, this is what I'm thinking would be a really great fit for you. Here's what I can do. And then here's the results. And again, bringing up maybe a case study or even at this point, maybe share a screen and show some visuals. But again, it's not totally necessary. I would say start to talk more about the results, thinking about the pain points that you heard through some of their answers and how you can then combat those, be the solution. That's probably the better word for it. Be How can you present yourself as the solution to anything, any pain points that are related to your services that they've shared on the call? And this is where you get into, okay, here's everything I could offer. Then you can say, you know, how does that feel for you? Is there anything in addition to that that you were hoping to have uh, work out from graphic design or from your needs? You know, take notes about that. You can like, oh, great. I can add that as an add-on for you. No problem. Or I'll include that, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. And so we start to talk about your services here. And then at this stage is where I start to allow, or quote unquote allow. They can ask questions at any point, but this is where I say, you know, so what do you think about this offer? what do you, do you think this will meet your needs? What kind of timeline are you looking at? And then do you have like that? These are, you wouldn't throw them all out at that once. These are kind of questions I'm thinking about now to kind of start to move them towards a decision. We want to start asking easy decision, decision questions. So things like timelines, things like, is this, you know, what else are you looking for? Things like this. And then you can ask them, you know, at this stage before we're saying anything about pricing or any investments or anything like that, we ask or we have them, you know, open the floor up and have them ask you any questions. So this will be a great time as well to continue to position yourself as the solution to the questions that they have. And then don't be afraid if they ask a question that you don't know the answer to, or you're not comfortable answering, you can always say, you know, that's a great question. I'm actually going to note it down. I'm going to get back to you afterwards because I actually want to, you know, have a little space and time to think about that if it's related to you, or I'm just going to do a quick search, look that up or something. It's okay. It's, it's rare that you probably will have something like that, but it's okay to say, oh yes, I'm actually going to get back to you with a really a better don't say better, sorry, a more detailed response and then write it down and make sure it's in your follow-up email. So then we're getting towards the end and and they're probably at this point, they probably ask about, you know, okay, what's the investment cost. So then we present the investment cost. If you have a payment plan option, if it's like 50% upfront, 50% after, whatever your structure is and whatever options you have. And then I always like to say, you know, how does, it, does that align with your budgets or, or how do you feel about that price point? I know it sounds a little like airy fairy to say like, how do you feel or does it align? But honestly, it's, a, I've found that it, it's a much softer approach. And I find that I get a really, I get a more detailed response back when I use language versus like, is that, you know, do you want to move forward? Instead of saying that right away, I just kind of ask them about the price. And then from there, I, and then I say, okay, well, if you if they're like ready to go, I'll be like, great, here's the invoice. And I try and get that first payment on there. Lots of times you're going to get, they want to take some time. That's totally okay. And I'm going to, you definitely want to set a deadline on that, which I'll touch on in a second. But if you can, it's, it, if someone is like, yes, let's do it. Send the invoice, the contract, the proposal invoice over, like right on the call I've paid for things right on sales calls. And I find that I think people tend to shy away from this, but it's just as if they were at a store, a POS system purchasing in front of you, and then you can even share your screen. You can do the steps, you can show them, and then you've got them locked in. You know, you've decided what the, uh, locked in sounds so aggressive. You got them as a client, you landed them. So if you can actually close that sale and have them make the decision, and I would say that the majority of time you are going to, they are going to say, you know, I need some time to think about it and that's totally okay. But if you can get them on the call, definitely do that, book them in and get them into your project calendar. And so when you do send the proposal, uh, I always recommend sending the proposal, the contract and the invoice, like you can do this from HoneyBook is really great. And so it's step-by-step and so they sign. And then the invoice gets automatically sent. They have to put either the deposit down or their first payment down, whatever you decide. But I would only give them seven days after the call. So I'd say two, you know, I only have two spots left, or I only have three spots left in my project calendar for the month of November, or the month of December, however far you're booking out. And then you can say your this price is guaranteed, this this proposal is guaranteed for seven days. And then You have, and again, in HoneyBook, automated reminders that go out to remind them about the deadline. And then after the deadline passes, it doesn't mean that you're giving them up as a client. It just means that, you know, maybe you need to follow up maybe or have an automated responder and just ask them, you know, why did they book? Like, was there some, do, do they want to talk about a later start date, but like the price is not guaranteed. At that stage for yourself, like you can definitely have the same price, but for you, it's like, you need them to make a decision because you're probably taking multiple sales calls. And we want to make sure that the ones that are going to book in, get their spot. It's like first come first serve type of mentality there and creates a little sense of urgency and also creates a sense of like when you, you know, someone's being booked out it makes a sense of that. You are desirable. <laughs> so I'm like, there's a better word for that, but it yeah. gives that impression. So that is my sales call kind of flow i would say
1: yeah i love that so we touched base on how to get clients how to attract more people to your business as well as how to reach out to potential clients Mm -hmm. really knowing who you want to work with because it's not always just getting any clients yeah (laughs) yeah it's really finding the right clients and it is possible you just have to define who they are and utilize linkedin or cold pitching because they do work and Mm -hmm. whoever is listening to this, like, don't be afraid of hearing no. You will hear more no's than yeses, and that's totally fine. That's just simply what it is when it comes to running your own design business and Mm -hmm. being in sales because you're not just a graphic designer anymore. Because if you were, you would be working for a larger company. Now you mm-hmm. work for yourself and you have to learn how to sell. So yeah, and then we talked about sales calls. I think you did amazing, Shay. Like you explained oh, cool. everything and it was <laughs> so valuable. It will be so valuable for yeah. everyone who's listening to this for you know, brand graphic and web design business owners. And thank you so much for being here with me yeah. today. Is there anything else you would like to cover when it comes to sales and becoming a booked out designer?
0: No, I feel like we got into the nitty gritty of like what I really love to share. And I don't want to overwhelm anybody. I feel like between the lead gen and getting on the sales call and closing those sales and having that follow-up is going to really help everything that we talked about everybody do today. But I know that we did talk about the sales and I have that kind of 10 step process. So I did want to offer to your audience a free download, which will be in the show notes. And that's going to be a checklist and some guided questions for you to really own those sales calls and kind of help give you a structure to those as in case you were taking notes while I was talking about my structure I'm just going to create a download for you to have and that'll be in the show notes
1: thank you and yes I will include the link below in the description and tell us where can people find you online like your website social media where do you hang out how can Mm -hmm. people connect with you
0: yeah, absolutely. So we are bucketlistbombshells.com. And then I think the primary place that we're hanging out is either on our podcast. We also have one, the Freedom Filled Life podcast, or Instagram at bucketlistbombshells. You can DM me and I will be in there as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Shay. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And again, if anybody has questions, just shoot me a DM and I'm happy to expand on anything we talked about today. Yes. And I will
1: include the links to your website, social media, and the freebie below this podcast episode. Amazing. Thank you for joining us today on The Profitable Graphic Designer. In addition to this podcast, we have created some amazing online courses to help you set up your business, get more clients, and scale to the income level you desire. If you need help developing your graphic brand or web portfolio so it stands out, if you want to learn how to create proposals new clients will say yes to, if you're still trying to figure out how much to charge for your services. And if becoming the go-to designer for your dream clients is your goal this year, then I invite you to enroll in my signature 12-week program, The Profitable Designer, or one of our other specialized online courses. To learn more about it and get started, visit eventiveacademy.com. See you next time.